This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey gang, welcome into a Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Sean Kelly with you from Studio B on Airline Drive. A better feel to this Monday, isn't it? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Saints winners yesterday at San Diego. Pelicans winners on Saturday night. LSU won. Tulane won. I I would be hard-pressed, unfortunately, to think back to the last time we had not just the even, well, let alone a four-team sweep, you know, out of the four teams I just mentioned, but let's just stick with the three football teams. Saints, Tigers, and Green Wave all winning on the same weekend. Surely it happened last year, right? Uh, if you're like me, it's hard to remember. Anyway, but for the first time this year, all three teams winners. So congratulations to all of them. And, uh, and of course, the Saints, who desperately needed that win as they beat the Chargers yesterday in a – how wild was that game yesterday? 35-34, the ball seemingly bouncing right for the New Orleans Saints, uh, taking advantage of uh, the situation in the fourth quarter. I just – I was so glad, so happy for those guys – uh, to pick up that win. Hey, think about this just for a second. If you look at the three teams that have beaten the Saints so far this year, do you realize going into tonight's Monday Night Football game, those three teams have a combined record of 8-3? and three? Falcons are 3-1. and one. Raiders are 3-1 and one now. Giants 2-1, and one, right? There you go. 8-3. and three. And two of your three losses, as we all know, by a combined four points, your one win yesterday by one point. I, is this not the craziest four-game start? I mean, it's unbelievable. Anyway, the bye is here, and uh, and so the Saints now will get a break. It's an early bye, obviously, uh, and then have a little extra time to prepare for Carolina, who is also one and three. Well, that's a surprise, too, no doubt, although Atlanta is showing us something in the NFC South. All right, so uh, today we're keeping it kind of simple. We're going to talk – Saints and their win yesterday. We're going to talk about Pelicans preseason game number one. And uh, and to help keep things simple and direct and uh, informative, two guests today with firsthand accounts of both events over the weekend. First up, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. He'll discuss what happened yesterday in the Saints thrilling win. You don't look at this one and overreact the other way and say, okay, now everything's fixed and all is well. No, no, by no means can you say that <laughs> about this game yesterday. But you can say that at least these guys showed some of that stuff that they keep talking about in the locker room where, okay, this is a 53-man team and they're going to stick together and they're all going to be rowing in the same direction. And you like some of the defensive adjustments you saw in the second half. And then to talk New Orleans Pelicans, Daniel Salerson, who had the radio play-by-play call of their preseason win over the Dallas Mavericks, on Saturday night. The biggest thing was pace. I thought the pace was great. Tim Frazier running the floor really well. One thing that I was looking for was the unselfishness of the team, and 29 assists um, was pretty good for a first game, I would say. Of course, I can't thank Daniel enough. I was away with a family situation all weekend long, so Daniel and Jim Eichenhofer stepped up to call that game for you on the Pelican side, and uh, and of course, it's great to have J.D. right here in the building because he, like, uh, he gets me uh, an in-depth look at the football game yesterday as he'll hopefully do for you today yes oh and on top of that congratulations to the u.s Ryder cup team 
If only the PGA Tour could be like the Ryder Cup all year long. Look, if you like golf or you're a marginal golf fan, that format, that atmosphere, everything, I think is fantastic. So, great weekend in sports, no doubt. Monday Night Football continues it tonight, and we'll talk about the Pelicans' second preseason game uh, a little bit later in the show. Stay with us, J.D. and Diesel, here on today's Black and Blue Report. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious Chunky Chicken and Sausage Gumbo. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Don't miss any of the New Orleans Pelicans action this season. Pick the four games that are right for you. The Pelicans Pick 4 plan presented by Domino's guarantees seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names, including matchups against Golden State and Cleveland. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free medium one-topping pizza from Domino's. To pick your four games, visit pelicans.com today. Got a long day ahead? Power on with Smoothie King's new coffee high-protein smoothies. It's a nutritious breakfast blended to shift your morning into high gear with delightfully smooth cold-brewed coffee for your mind and at least 30 grams of protein for your body. Try all four energizing flavors, vanilla, almond mocha, raspberry mocha, and cinnamon latte, and power on your day. New coffee high-protein smoothies. Coffee for your mind and protein for your body. Only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. First-hand accounts today, that's what we promised you, and that's what you'll get. Daniel Salerson still to come about Pelicans and uh, Mavericks. First up, though, John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. He literally is fresh into the building this morning, late morning, after a late-night flight back home with the victorious New Orleans Saints who beat the uh, – San Diego Chargers yesterday by one in a roller coaster ride at Qualcomm Stadium. First of all, thank you because I know it's been a quick turnaround. What time did you all land? Um, we landed really about a quarter after twelve or so. You know, floating home on the winds of victory, so it was not uh, all that uh, stressful to be able to get home. No, it, it it really wasn't a bad flight. You know, you catch the tailwind. Uh, we got home. We were originally scheduled to land actually at one. Got here probably 45 minutes before that. And you know how that is. Even though you get home, you know, you got to settle in, kind of calm down. And so you really don't get to sleep until about 2, 2.30 or something like that. But, you know, not not, not bad at all. No, I, for whatever reason, I thought you all weren't landing until like 2 in the morning. So that's that's a plus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of uh, the beauty of the charter, thank God. And, um, and then we were out of there probably about – I would say about 9 p.m. Central Time, maybe a little after that. And, you know, you, like I said, you get the tailwind. It's a straight flight, and, and uh, everything went out, went smooth. Okay. A win is a win is a win, right? Pretty much. I mean, hey, look, the, the win-loss column, all, all it says is one, and the, and the loss column says three. And that's the only thing that really matters. Uh, it doesn't matter how you get there. And certainly the Saints got there in some – some dramatic fashion yesterday um and improbable I, you know i think one of the things I, I was thinking yesterday was you know improbable does not mean impossible 
And when you're talking about having to score a couple of touchdowns and get the ball back to be able to score a couple of touchdowns in the last six minutes and 50 seconds of an NFL game, that doesn't happen a whole lot. I, I would I would love to see the percentages of that where a team made a 13-point comeback within the last seven minutes of a ball game. That That's very, very, very rare. And so, yeah, the the team was, you know, pretty juiced up when they were going to the locker room yesterday. Because, yeah, San Diego's got to make a couple of couple of errors, but you got to be able to take advantage of the errors. I mean, and that and that's the main thing. When when fortune smiles on you, you got to be able to to stick your hand out and and grab it and say, okay, here we go. So they were able to to grab it and say, here we go. Yeah, out of the two fumbles, you know, one certainly was forced. Vaughn Bell yeah. puts a lick yeah. on the football. The other one was a gift. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah. Um, am I being overly dramatic in saying that the, the Saints had to play perfect over the last 650 or so? Oh, there's no doubt. I mean, I think, uh, in fact, Drew Brees said exactly that. Uh, you look at the score, you look at the, the clock, and you say, okay, um, you look at time and score and what's going on there and timeouts and all those things. And so the Saints, you know, basically San Diego's got the ball with 650 left. They're up 13, their ball on their 10 and now everything has got to go perfect you got to get a stop a score a stop a score now how you're going to get those stops and scores all of that crammed into seven minutes is you know how you're going to how you're going to manage that and so you're thinking okay well the Saints have three timeouts here so you know you try to get a quick stop on defense you use a timeout or two you get a quick score and hopefully you can do all that and get it all accomplished within two, three minutes, and then now you got to come back and do the exact same thing, probably minus the timeouts, <laughs> because you don't have those anymore, and you got to get the stop again. You got to use the two-minute warning, and maybe you're lucky and get the ball back with maybe minute, minute and a half left, and now you got to drive maybe the length of the field, maybe 70 yards to get a touchdown to probably be able to chance to get get a chance to win it. So it had to be perfect. I mean, Vaughn Bell. And Kenny Vaccaro, you can't say enough about what they were able to do because I think, you know, I think that's where the game turns because now all of a sudden you go from you're not completely deflated, but it's like even if all San Diego does is run three plays and make you burn your timeouts, they've still accomplished something. Yeah. But for them to get that ball out, now all of a sudden the Saints are kind of jumping up and looking around like, you know what, if we score one quick here, we still got the timeouts, we can get this thing done. So when Benjamin comes back and, and basically gift wraps one for him and lays it on the ground, then all of a sudden you look at the sideline and those guys were going crazy. They were like, we got this. We got this. So you, 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 almost, you almost felt you knew the offense was going to score in that situation. It, it, you just kind of felt it. But then it was like, okay, now the defense has got to get another stop. And not just you know any kind of stop because now San Diego can go down and they can get a field goal. They get in the field goal range. They're mm-hmm. going to win this thing. They don't need six. They just need three. Oh, it scared me to death when <laughs> the Saints punched it in so quick after the two-minute warning. And San Diego's not only got timeouts, uh, but a lot of clock. And like you said, only a field goal. So, look, <laughs> thank goodness they, they backed those guys up. Webb comes up with the inter- interception because oh, yeah. I thought – Oh man, should we have managed this differently? And it didn't, you know. As it turned out, you did just fine. Well, you want to say take more time off the clock, but you know what's to say you you milk time and are able to get it in. So you got to score when you can score. Well, and you had to score a touchdown. Yeah, and you got to score a touchdown. Yeah. So you, so you got to score when you can score. If it's a field goal, you can go down, take a knee if you want to, and kick a field goal. But they needed six, so they got to get the six. Now you got to turn it back over to the defense, which 
in the grand scheme, um, was really chopped up pretty good in that first half. And then they came back in the second half, and I and you got to give them credit. They stood tall in the second half. Um, uh, Dennis Allen, defensive coordinator, really installed the blitz packages in the second half. They weren't getting to Phillip Rivers in the first half. He was having too much time, and they got to him some in the second half, made him rush, uh, got him unsettled. And they were able to turn the tide basically defensively because, you know, in the first half they give up those 24 points and they're not getting close to Phillip Rivers. They're not really rattling him. They're not rushing him. They're not speeding him up. They blow some assignments in the secondary and it looks pretty bad. And then all of a sudden in in the second half, one of the biggest plays in the game, which gets hidden, the second half kickoff, Kasim Metabali comes down and makes the tackle at the 15, which pins San Diego immediately. And then they get the three and out. And Kasim Metabali helps contribute to that three and out by pressuring Phillip Rivers on that third down. So Kasim comes out and plays pretty big. Um, you know, they, they had a lot of guys step up uh, into some roles defensively. And, and it was just, you know, again, it, good to see him get off the, get off the, the schneid and, uh, and be able to get a win. Who says the fullback position is extinct? John Kuhn had 11 touches and three touchdowns yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah, it was something. It oh, was something. Man. I mean, he. But you know what? I, uh, I think Coach Payton said it best. He's a guy who, if it's third and one, second and one, fourth and one, or whatever, he just understands how to get a yard. He just knows how to contort or just bull or dive or whatever it takes. He knows how to get that yard. And yesterday, there was no better example of that. Uh, that I think it was a three or four yard catch he made at the goal line. That pass was for Kobe Fleener, who's behind him in yes. the end zone, <laughs> who was behind him in the end zone. But that's one heck of a grab for a fullback to have those kinds of hands because that was a bullet throw. And for him to be able to stab it and catch it, you know, a lot of times in those situations, you see receivers with deflections. You don't see fullbacks make that catch. Mm-hmm. Uh, a fantastic catch, and then he finishes it off with the run on the next play. So John Kuhn had one of those games where, and at some point in time, I don't know if he's got kids or grandkids or what his life's going to be like, but he's got a story to tell about the day in San Diego when he scored three touchdowns in a, in a comeback win. No doubt. All right, it's easy for us to overreact after losses. We just do that. Do we overreact here on a win? How do you want to take oh, that into the Oh, no. heck no. No, 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 no. First thing Sean Payton says after the game, and the first thing you got to realize, uh, there are so many correctable areas in that game. This was by no means a flawless game uh, Saints ran 34 times for 84 yards um, they had 275 yards of offense um, that first half where they allow 24 points um, Philip Rivers basically has time to do just about anything he wants to and I'm pretty sure San Diego has probably around 300 yards of total offense in that first half there are a lot of areas to be cleaned up so nobody should be doing backflips and and you know marching you know setting up parades or anything like that over this game this game, the the big the biggest thing you take out of it is the second half adjustments. You you have to like what you saw from the Saints, especially defensively, uh, in the second half, and resiliency. Uh, these guys kept saying, you know, we're not giving up on the season, we're not quitting, you know, we're we're gonna fight through this, and the only way you can you can manifest that is to do it on the field. Um, and at 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 halftime, you know, down twenty four to fourteen, you know, things didn't look good, and they came out and made that nice defensive stand to begin the third quarter. And then it kind of goes from there. And the offense stagnated in the third quarter. They scored on the first possession, then stagnated completely for about a quarter and a half before they were able to get the turnovers down the stretch. So 
It was a team that didn't give up on itself, and that's the main thing you take out of it. But, no, you, you don't look at this one and overreact the other way and say, okay, now everything's fixed and all is well. No, no, by no means can you say that <laughs> about this game yesterday. But you can say that at least these guys showed some of that stuff that they keep talking about in the locker room where, okay, this is a 53-man team and they're going to stick together and they're all going to be rowing in the same direction. And you like some of the defensive adjustments you saw in the second half. Smart take. Very smart take. I pointed this out before you came in the door. Isn't it interesting this, these, how crazy these first four weeks have been? Your three losses are against teams that right now are combined eight and three in the NFL. And on top of that, in the last two weeks, and I could be off just by a little bit, I think you've scored 67 points offensively, and you're one and one in those games, and your one win was by one point. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's going to be life for these Saints. I yeah. mean, they're going to score a lot. They're probably going to give up a lot um, until they, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to be a team that's going to be shutting people down to 17, 18 points a game. So they're going to score. They're going to give up scores. Uh, these are going to be close games, and the margin for error is razor thin for this team. Uh, we've seen it. Um, the difference between maybe winning and losing against the Giants is is a blocked field goal that's returned for a touchdown. Uh, against Atlanta, you get a pick six to go against you, and you get you know two guys on the punt team run into each other and then fumble the fumble the, the punt, and the Falcons win by 13. That's two touchdowns. So <laughs> the margin for and and then Oakland wins here opening weekend when they score a touchdown in the last minute and a half and a two-point conversion where, you know, Ken Crawley, God bless him, is in perfect position and unfortunately can't get the ball on the ground and can't come up with the, with the, with the pick on the two-point conversion. And same thing in, in New York, uh, in New Jersey against the Giants where Crawley's in perfect position, can't get the ball on the ground. Otherwise, you know, maybe that 34-yard completion from Eli Manning to Victor Cruz is an interception or a turnover or at least on the ground as opposed to being a first and goal at the two. So, you know, they've been in some situations where, unfortunately, it's gone against them in three games. Yesterday they finally get the fortune to go for them. But this is going to be one of those seasons where, you know, everything is going to be close. I don't, I don't know that this team is going to blow anybody out, and I don't know that anybody's going to blow this team out. Crazy first month. I thought the bye was too early. Maybe the bye is coming at the right time. We'll see. Saints up next against Carolina on the 16th at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. That is an early kickoff noon on that Sunday. All right, J.D., thank you very much. Anytime. Danny Basketball is up next. Diesel to talk Pelicans over the weekend. Stay with us. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7-365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. Auctioner believes the best way to predict the future is to invent it. Here, our doctors and staff are changing lives day after day. Every week, I'm operating on babies who are days old with hearts smaller than walnuts. 
We're giving these kids a life they wouldn't otherwise have, a chance to grow up. Sometimes cancer patients come who were told they were out of options, but Auctioner has the most clinical trials in the state. It's amazing to be able to give second chances. We're always a step ahead, even with simple things like getting you in to see a doctor today versus a week from now, so what you have doesn't become something bigger. It makes a difference. Every day, Auctioner is creating a better future by looking forward and thinking differently to find life-changing solutions. That's healthcare with peace of mind. Appointments are available today. Call 866-AUCTIONER or visit auctioner.org. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Well, the Pelicans are underway. How about that? Uh, 1-0 now in the preseason after their win over the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday night up at Shreveport, Bossier City. And uh, just like the football game, I was absent from that one too. Thank goodness we had Daniel Salerson uh, on the call with Jim Eichenhofer on Saturday on the Pelicans Radio Network. Uh, Daniel, first of all, thank you. I appreciate it very much. Oh, happy to help. Yes, uh, and neutral side games are always interesting, and uh, I hope the crowd was good. Crowd was good. good. Almost 7,000 filled up uh, most of the arena. I thought the crowd was very nice for yeah. a Saturday night. Shoot, that might be one of the better crowds they've had there for an NBA preseason game. It always helps with Dallas. You know, they're three hours yep. away. Pelicans have been up there before, so I, I think having those teams back again kind of helped to matter. What was the final? 116-102. Yes, sir. You know, it's interesting because we're only going to see these guys twice. The second time will be tomorrow night before they head off to China. Um, and there's a lot of question marks. Some of them are good questions about the Pelicans team heading into the season. But certainly, I'm encouraged by what uh, transpired on Saturday. But, man, Daniel, I'm having a hard time reading into a lot of it. And I want to be careful about, you know, what's right, what's not, what's real, what's not, that kind of a thing. Look, just maybe your impressions of what you saw uh these guys show show on the first night you sound like head coach alvin gentry because when he was asked what he took away from it he said you can't take a lot away from it he just had certain things that he wanted to see the biggest thing was pace i thought the pace was great tim frazier running the floor really well um what one thing that i was looking for was um the unselfishness of the team and 29 assists um was pretty good for a first game i would say um i thought they looked good and again hard to you know kind of temper the expectations as far as what you wanted to see, especially with Dallas, four of their five starters didn't even fly with the team. So you had a lot of D-League and Summer League guys for Dallas. But I thought Buddy Heald looked good in his first game. Terrence Jones was really aggressive on both ends of the floor. It was encouraging the type of rotations that Alan Gentry threw out there, even though they might not be what you would see in the regular season. I thought players worked well together. Buddy Heald, even on his court vision, having a couple big plays with Omer in AD, I thought things... For a preseason game, looked pretty good for New Orleans. I thought Frazier and Heald would start. They didn't. They did not. Um, Galloway and Moore. Galloway and Moore. Did Coach you know, say why he wanted to try that or why that's he started that way? I remember before the game, I think a couple practices ago, he said, do not read into any of the lineups or the rotations. I think it was just more of what he wanted to see. I, you saw a lot of Galloway and Moore during the game. You saw a lot of Frazier and Heald during the game as well. So it might not have been the projected starting lineup, but the combination of the one and the two guards pretty much stayed the same most of the time. There were times that Frazier and Heald played together. There was a lot of times that the Pelicans played really small. So Alvin threw out probably 10 to 15 different combinations as far as players out there. So I thought Galloway and Moore worked well together. Moore put up big points in the game, shot really well. 
Um, but yeah, you did see Frazier and Heald. You just didn't see him start together. Yeah, Moorhead 19, Heald had 19. Uh, Buddy Heald went 8 of 12, shooting 3 of 6 from 3. And, and if, if there's anything that I'll take away from this box score in front of us or, or your observations, it's Heald. Because in summer league, he had trouble scoring the basketball. I've seen a couple of practices, and he looks like he belongs, but certainly wasn't scoring, I think, at a clip that he, he or the Pelicans wanted. So if there's one thing I'll take away from Saturday – is that he scored the basketball. Right. And he looked really comfortable doing it. I think a lot of some of his shots, there was a man contested on him, kind of did a little pump fake, and then was able to shoot kind of a fadeaway shot, which normally you're like, uh, but with Buddy, he's so comfortable doing that, and he made him. I think his confidence grew as the game went. So as soon as he made his first one, he made his second, he made his third, and he looked really comfortable out there. And like I mentioned, his court vision, he had a couple nice plays where he was able to see AD running down the lane, Omer running down the lane. Very encouraging for a guy that only had two assists, at Oklahoma, had three in his first preseason game with New Orleans. Okay, the the the, the advertisement here for the, this edition of the Pelicans is that perhaps they're more blue-collar. They've got a little more of an edge to them. Did you see that manifest itself in any way on Saturday? I saw it in some times, and I didn't see it in some times. Some of the old stuff came out. I think the effort at times was a little sloppy. The beginning of the third quarter, the Mavericks were 5-5 five of five from beyond the arc to start the third. So I think the defense got a little lackadaisical for a little bit, but then you did see it at times because they had they got off to a good start. Um, so I thought it was a little bit of mixed, and I think that might just be more of them getting acclimated with playing each other. You have 20 guys on the roster um, and 11 new guys that didn't end the season with the Pelicans last year. So I think there was a lot of hesitation at times just because of lack of familiarity with the guys. Two 30-plus point quarters, the second and the fourth. Pelicans won the paint 40-34, to won the fast break 22-10. to Look, if that's if that's a regular season box score, you'll take it every time. You bet, no doubt. Um, and Davis said he said you know at least after the game that he felt good. Felt I mean, good, played good yeah. for what minutes he had. He just didn't play any of the second half and played a little bit. I mean, he was still leading score halfway through the second quarter, and he played only eleven minutes. So the the time that he spent on the court was time well spent. Fifty seven point three percent shooting, twelve of twenty one from three. These are the Pelicans' numbers here. What was rebounding? Ooh, Dallas. Right. That was probably the one no. thing. Dallas, a lot of offensive rebounds, I would say. Okay. 44-36 Pelicans yeah. still in that category. All right, so l- let me ask you this, and then I think I think we'll overanalyze one preseason game if we go any further. But I'll say this, or ask you this. What would you like to see uh, improve from Saturday night to tomorrow night's game against the Pacers? I still say the defense, at least perimeter defense, I think struggled a little bit against Dallas and Dallas had some guys that will probably not make the roster that played well Um, at least I saw in the third quarter was the biggest takeaway I would say the defense um, is something I want to see improve but again it's so hard to gauge how they played I mean 102 is not terrible against Dallas but it's not great and it's so hard to gauge you know what they're trying to accomplish you know the type of plays that each team's running knowing that they're going to see each other the personnel on the floor so it's so hard to think oh well they let up 102 points against, you know, guys that didn't really play that much. So it's so hard to figure out what you want to see differently from one to two, but I would say the defense. Just I want to see them continue to improve because this was a defense that struggled last year, 28th in the league. I want to see – I'm not too worried about the offense at this point. It's a defense that I want to see improve. All right, cool. Uh, no Andrew Bogut, no Wesley Matthews, no Dirk Nowitzki, no Darren Williams for a variety of reasons. Those were the notables that didn't play for Didn't Dallas. even bother to show up. <laughs> They flew in that morning, though, too. So. Yeah, yeah. 
which I thought it's funny you say that because I think the Pelicans wanted to do that, and yeah. the NBA said, "No, no, you got to be." That is correct. And so Dallas does. I it. think because the Pelicans were the home team, I don't know if there's something that involved with that. If something happened, but as far as Dallas only being three hours away, I think if some plane issues happen, they could still drive that day and realistically get there with enough time. I don't know how that works, but yeah. yes, Dallas had the luxury of flying in that morning. They did shoot around. They went to a hotel for a couple hours and then got back and got ready for the game. Whatever. I think they just, uh, there was a time that the refs went to the replay and both Gentry and Carlisle got to the middle of the floor and said, don't even bother replaying it. Don't worry about it. They were just more trying to get the game going and stuff. Right. So it was pretty interesting to see the interaction, but Overall, I thought it was a really good showing by the Pelicans. Okay, cool. Tomorrow night, uh, Pelicans and Pacers at the Smoothie King Center. It is the only preseason game that will be played in New Orleans. Uh, the team leaves for China tomorrow night after the game. They'll play two overseas against the uh, Rockets, and then there are two road preseason games, um, Atlanta and Orlando. Mm -hmm. We will broadcast tomorrow night uh, starting at 6.30 Central. Daniel will have Pelicans warm up for you on most of your New Orleans Pelicans uh, radio network stations. Right. All right. Uh, no broadcast in China, by the way. No. No. We'll be here. It's early here. They'll be yeah. on NBA TV, though. So that's Who's calling those games? I don't know. Okay. We'll but rumor see. has it it's on NBA TV. Rumor is. I believe fact. it's on the press. I think it's fact. Fact is tomorrow night we'll be on your radio. No doubt. All right. We'll take a break. We'll wrap up this Monday on the Black and Blue Report after these messages. Gatorade, for athletes who move the game forward, we're creating the fuel to do the same. Innovating beyond hydration to create the future of sports fuel. Fueling today, fueling the future. We all know Saints fans are humble, hardworking, likable, and the most devoted fans in the league. All of that takes energy. The energy you get from a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Saints fans everywhere. Try the delicious chunky chicken and sausage gumbo. Just visit your local Winn-Dixie and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, the hearty way to fuel your game, and the official soup of the New Orleans Saints. Don't miss any of the New Orleans Pelicans action this season. Pick the four games that are right for you. The Pelicans Pick 4 Plan, presented by Domino's, guarantees seats to see Anthony Davis and your New Orleans Pelicans take on the biggest names, including matchups against Golden State and Cleveland. Packages start as low as $40 and come with a free, medium, one-topping pizza from Domino's. To pick your four games, visit pelicans.com today. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. Well, the Saints' uh, schedule here on this Monday is a little bit different than, say, a normal Monday after a Sunday game. Because of the uh, late-night flight coming back from the West Coast, things are kind of pushed back a little bit later today. Uh, Coach Payton will speak with the uh, media this afternoon. The Saints' locker room will be open after midday today. You can look to NewOrleansSaints.com for the latest uh, coming out of the Saints uh, facility on this Monday. Um, John DeShazer uh, will be a part of that coverage as, again, we thank him for being our guest on this Monday. Thanks to Daniel Salerson as well. Uh, Daniel and I will be back tomorrow in a variety of ways. First of all, Daniel will be hosting the Tuesday Black and Blue Report. He will be previewing preseason game number two. It's the Pelicans and the Pacers at Smoothie King Center tomorrow night. 
And Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com will stop by and help out with that preview. Then, just because the Saints are off doesn't mean the NFL's off, and that doesn't mean that fantasy's off either. So as usual on Tuesday, Daniel will be visiting with Jake Seeley from Roto Experts to get you uh, all set for your fantasy lineup. As again, games uh, start on Thursday again this week. There's only those couple of days now between the end of a football weekend and the start of a new one. It's hard to believe we'll be in week five of the NFL season here coming up. October's here. Crazy. Hope you had a great start to the month, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of your Monday. It's a Monday with a different feel, isn't it? Yes. All right. With that being said, we'll say goodbye on this Monday, and I hope to have you next time right here on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report, presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at noon central or at your convenience exclusively online at pelicans.com and neworleansaints.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.